0: Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock! Well, good evening. We're uh, this is Masterclass Theology. We're going to do a special group group chat discussion tonight. We're looking at Peter. We're launching in a couple weeks our brand new series in First Peter, and so we're starting a quick two session series on that man himself. And, and scripture is full of Peter's stories. Peter is uh, he's, he's everyone's favorite apostle or many people's favorite apostle because he's so relatable. He has, you know, he, he's, he, he speaks before he thinks it seems like half, half the time he acts before he, he thinks he's, he is the ultimate reactive guy. He is, but he's also, He does things that that no one else has ever done in history, you know, from a purely human standpoint. And so he is one of the most fascinating characters in all the Bible. And he was Jesus's right-hand man, okay? Jesus had an inner circle, and and that inner circle started with Peter. So so I have the pleasure tonight of leading us through 10 10 passages that are good Peter passages. My co-teacher, Mick, next week, so I didn't want to call this little series, good Peter, bad Peter. Cause it's even, because even, even the, the more bad texts next week that are going to be more, you know, Peter kind of doing boneheaded things or whatnot, they're great moments of teaching for us. So, and the problem was, is I looked up some of the good ones, some of these ones that I thought were really good Peter moments ended up not being good Peter moments. Like he would have a great moment. It'd be kind of like when he walked on water, it's like, yeah, go Peter. And then he, then he doubts and he sinks. I'm like, well, The point of that probably isn't he walked on water is Jesus used that as another. So I couldn't, I couldn't count that as a good Peter moment. So the 10 Peter moments I selected, I hope are are, going to be good Peter moments that I didn't drop the ball here. Let me share the screen one more time. And so it's it's good Peter tonight and going to be maybe not so good Peter next week or the Peter that teaches us a lot next week. So our, so everyone, um, yeah, goof is Peter and Gallant Peter. Yeah, that takes it, takes me back. That's that's what highlights magazine, right? That goes a long way back. Yeah, that's a great point, Randy. So again, so tonight what we're gonna do is in the chat. So I need the chats to be succinct and I need them to be on on target. So what I mean by that is I'm going to ask everybody, what do we think about Peter? Versus, I mean, I'm gonna ask that 10 different times, and we're just gonna go through this this page I've got here of 10. Peter moments. And what do we learn about Peter here? What stands out about Peter? Because where we're going with this is in two weeks, we're launching a series in first Peter and first Peter presents reality. According to Peter, essentially like that, it's a letter to churches from Peter. And so at that point in his life, Peter will have gone through a lot of things. He'll have high moments and he will have low moments. And it's just, he's just a very genuine character in scripture we get to see him warts and all and yeah so we're, we're basically painting in the peter story so when we're ready to launch we can look back at some of these moments as peter talks about we did this with the first john series as well where we looked at uh, the first john we we it was a year ago we launched in the first john and we said you know you've heard this before we would we would reference the gospel of john you know it's like he's already talked about these things and so we bring up stories. Well, there might be some stories as we go through First and Second Peter that we might remember. I get the 10 easier ones tonight. I get the 10 kind of happier ones, the good Peter. Mick gets the prize next week, so let's just start off here. Let me open up the word of prayer, and we'll get to our first one. God, thank you for this group. I appreciate their willingness to contribute and their willingness to journey, and I appreciate you know, the little discussions we get to have about your word, and God, it just reminds me that your word is so important and that There's always something we can learn, and that none of us is truly the expert. And even though we call this class Master Class Theology, I'm not the master, neither is Mick, nor anyone in attendance. You're the master, and we turn to you. And and we want to study you and learn how we should encounter this world, how we should treat people, how we should live this life that we're all called to live as Christians from you, our master. And so we just pray all this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Our first Peter moment. It's a quick one. This is Mark chapter one. Here we go. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. What do we learn about Peter here? Go ahead and throw it in the the chat screen here. What do we learn about Peter from this very first one? What does this teach us?
1: Yeah, he responds immediately. Yeah. Obedient. Yeah, he wants to obey his Lord.
0: And, And it's interesting here, he wasn't even his Lord yet. But yeah, he wants to. be. Okay, well, I don't see that here yet, Daniel. He's impulsive and emotionally charged. We don't see that quite yet, but he's willing to follow and willing to obey and follow. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, I don't, well, do we see him as impulsive here or more obedient? I mean, I I think this would be in terms of, in terms of, 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 of a person's history to be called by a rabbi would be a big thing. If he was doing if he was a certain age and fishing, he was probably applying the family trade and he didn't get into grad school as it were. And so he just go back to fishing. So there he is. And yeah. And so for a rabbi to choose him, because they would apply to rabbis and, and then well, I'll apply to this one. Maybe he'll take me. I'll apply to that one. And no one said yes. He never got the reception letter, the acceptance letter, rather. And so here he is. But a rabbi chose him. Come follow me. That's pretty cool. But yes, obedient. And uh, yeah, and we, we do hear. Um, I didn't include that, but yeah, Andrew. According, yeah, you're right. According to John, Andrew became a disciple first, and he said, "I'm gonna go go lead my big brother to Jesus." You know, Andrew's greatest moment. You know, in terms of besides him following Jesus, but yeah, so okay, yeah, Mark. This is an easy one. So Mark one, Jesus shows that he is obedient, and he's uh, he he was yeah. This was. You can call this a blind faith if you want, but we picture him putting down the fishing rods. Well, they left their nets, their nets, Yeah, they left it. They were, he was willing. He and Andrew both were willing to leave their former way of life behind to put it all on the line to follow Jesus.
1: That is massive. Very selfless. Yeah.
0: Because fish for people, how are you going to eat? How are you going to eat? How are you going to be able to pay your taxes? How are you going to be able to function? You don't fish for people. They responded to a metaphor of Jesus. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, he's, it's a lesson in portrait. Yeah, it's this is
0: Peter from the beginning, chapter one. He's a good example. These are good Peter stories tonight. So these aren't going to be bad. These aren't going to be hard to digest. Uh, so let's, kind of, let's thank you for the responses. Good job. See, that wasn't hard. And you all kept them coming. In fact, you kept them coming so much. I'm, I'm going to take a moment here and make, if I can make my chat screens a little bit bigger because I want to see as many as I can. And the waiting room can just be kind of, just don't leave, I guess. Okay. I'll put the waiting room over here. And I want the, I'm, on my end, I'm making the chat screen just as big as I can because I want to see the comments. Okay. Matt, this is number two. There you go. First one, quick and easy. Number two, Matthew 14, 22 to 29. This is in Matthew now. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Very convicting, by the way. If Jesus needed to get alone to pray, you probably. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. I guess I did include this one. Okay. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, here's Peter's moment. Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Because there's no way he's going to say yes. What ghost is going to want? Okay. Well, come, he said. Okay, it's a put up or shut up moment. So I, I ended it here. I didn't end with, with, with him sinking. because we, we know what how the story ends. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. What did we learn about Peter here? Don't read ahead. Just I stopped it here for a reason because there is a good moment here. So like I said, when I, I think I mentioned this passage in my intro, and I, I, so forget that. I, I, I did put it here for a reason. He follows his emotions. He's bold. Yeah, he's the one with the courage to come out of the boat. Oh, Peter is a leader. Yeah, he's speaking for them, isn't he? Everyone's afraid, and Peter speaks up. He wasn't pushing anyone else to speak up. He was standing up and speaking out. And it's like they were going to find out it was Jesus. They were going to sit there in their fear until he spoke up. We are, we are to assume, unless just Jesus was just going to come into the boat, then they're, they're, they're soiling themselves or peeing their britches all over again because a ghost is going to come into the boat. They had no category for somebody walking to them on the water, you see. So this is a terrifying moment. He trusts. Yeah, that's a good point. He trusted Jesus. He was not afraid. Um, yeah, It is a weird validation test. You're right. Uh, he had the courage to do it. It's not a perfect faith, but unquestionably a man of faith. I mean, this... If I was going to be harsh on Peter here, I might want to liken him to um, Gideon with that fleece. God, if you really mean this, you're going to cause the whole room to be wet except the fleece, or you're going to cause you know the fleece to be wet and everything else dry. Or it's like there's a little bit of a testing there, but I'm not quite seeing that here with Peter. I'm not seeing doubt because there was some doubt there with Gideon, but here this is just they don't know what to say if if this voice really is jesus there's no way it was going to be jesus because why? who would ever walk on water in the middle of a lake are you kidding me they had no they had nothing for that um okay everyone gives peter a hard time for doubting but none of the other disciples left the boat it's true he did break the law of physics he walked on water that's something you can't take from peter when we get to heaven i guarantee you if you have any time with peter you're going to ask him what that felt like you probably will. I, I, I can't say guarantee. I know I will. If I get some Peter moments, like, hey, what was that like? And how cool was that? And he might say, yeah, it was kind of cool. I wish I had kept going. Maybe I could have walked across the whole lake. Who knows? Maybe Jesus and I could have been skipping around. I don't know. But it, who knows? But yeah, he's the only other human to walk on water. This, this is an amazing moment here. You guys are great. You guys nailed these first two. He's trusting. He's obedient. He had courage. And Yes, he ends, up, you know, he ends up sinking, and, and Jesus talks about doubt with right there. But that's not right here just yet. It's just this is a great moment for Peter. How about number three? John 6, just three verses here. And in the context here, um, Jesus was talking about he had given a really hard sermon on everybody must eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man. And it's like Jesus preached to his, his, his disciples from like a 1,000 to like 12. Because like everybody left, they took off. They're like, what in the world was that? Like hearing a sermon like that, they were just, ooh, and they got out of there. And I mean, that's, John 6 is kind of an interesting chapter. If you check out John 6, you're like, what in the world is going on there? It's a pretty reasonably difficult message of Christ. So difficult that everybody took off. Now here hear our text here. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So Jesus turns around, looks at the 12 that are still there. You want to leave too, do you? He asked the 12. Peter, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, and this is is a killer. This is a mic drop. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Bam. I mean, Peter could have just as easily said, I left my nets for you. Where else am I going to go? I've been eating steak, and you want me to go back to beef, turkey? Are you, are you serious? I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but where else am I going to go? You, you are operating Jesus on a completely different level. So what do we learn about Peter here? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, there's no alternative. There's no alternatives at that point. You're right, Randy. There's no alternatives. You you can't you can't go from Jesus to not Jesus. Once you, it's like it's like that taste and see that the Lord is good. There it is. You, what are you gonna, do? Is you gonna leave? I mean, you go from eternal life to just you know, eternity is up in the air. Where your retirement plan is essentially what Shaol, and that's all you've got. I mean, your only hope is the grave, and maybe, I mean. Yeah, Peter knew who Jesus was and committed to him. He is devoted. Yeah, he knew and believed. Diana, thank you. Uh, He totally trusted. Yeah, well, you know what, Peter, Daniel, Peter does get these divine revelations. And in fact, there's going to be a time where Jesus calls him on it and says, you know, you you only know that because the Father told you. But yeah, uh, we've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One. So he's speaking not just for himself. He's answering for all of them. And maybe all the rest of them are happy he's doing it. Because, oh, geez, I don't know what to answer that question. We'll let Peter answer. He wants to answer the questions. We'll let him answer the questions. Yeah, he, he, no other place to go. Thank you, Sherry. And uh, yeah, he, but he, he does wrestle with who Jesus is. Yeah, here he's wrestling it and saying, I can't leave you. I can't quit. I have to stay. We, we have the real deal here. We can't leave that. Okay, you gave a hard sermon and none of us really understand it. We're not going to say we understood it, Jesus. None of us did, but you asked us, are we going to go? And that answer is no, we're not leaving you. How could we leave you? You. Yeah, he affirms his faith. Love that passage to where shall I go? Who are we going to go to? He recognized the uniqueness of Jesus. A really great moment for Peter. Peter's going to have some really rotten ones, some boneheaded ones. This is a good one. This is one of his best moments. This is right up there with Martha. Bitter Martha in in the book of John. You could have been here, Jesus. No, Lazarus died. You could have been here. And Jesus calls her on it and she says, you're the Christ. You know, know, she gives this great doxological statement. Peter gives a great statement here. This is great. Yeah, Peter's a spokesperson. You're right. And, you know, a lot of commentators think that Peter was older. Um, We know he was probably a little bit older because he had a mother-in-law. I joke about that, but that comes with a wife you don't, you know, you don't sign up for a mother-in-law. You, you you marry someone and you get a mother-in-law and we don't know about his wife, but we do know he has a mother-in-law. So he might be older. Most likely he would be an older person in a business. So the family business might be his, he might be a small business owner to have a fleet of, of boats. You know, the later scriptures talk about, you know, he calls the other boat over to him with the big catch of fish, you know, come help me out. That might be his, his employees. I mean, It's, he might've been a small business owner back in the day. If he was older, it might've been. That's pretty huge to lay those nets down to go to Jesus. Um, But but yeah, it just, um, yeah, Martha, John 11. Yeah, that's where it is. Um, Peter did and others didn't. And he, yeah, you thank you make, you got the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. There you go. He's not walking away from that. You don't walk away from that. Your life has changed. You don't leave because life got uncomfortable or someone gave a bad speech. All right. Thank you. Luke uh, number four. See, we're plowing along here. This is, let scroll down too far. This one's a little bit interesting. This is, uh, this is the road to Emmaus as Jesus is already dead. He's already resurrected. He's been traveling with the, the, the two on the road to Emmaus, right? This is, again, this is a post-resurrection appearance by Jesus. So he ends up, they invite Jesus in for a meal, okay? And that's where we pick it up here. When he was at the table with them, speaking of Jesus, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, they as in the, 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 the people around the table with Jesus, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So that implies they didn't know who he was. And the scripture said that they didn't, they didn't know who was walking with them. And once they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11, because Judas is already dead now, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. Now catch this. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. What? Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. He appeared to Simon? Surely there's something here in the Bible, right? Well, there's only one more thing. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this. For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. So evidently, this is something that the gospels don't have. This is something that the book of Acts doesn't have. We get a snippet of it from the two, one of the guys from the road to Emmaus around his dinner table, and we get Paul saying this as everybody already knew that. Jesus When he appeared, he went to Peter first. We got it now twice in Scripture. We just don't get it in the Gospels, and we don't get it in Acts. But evidently, he appeared to Peter first. I think that's cool. That's something where the Bible tells us something that it hasn't previously told us, and it could have told us, but it didn't. You would think that would make Mark's Gospel, for example that like people like to say traditionally, Peter kind of wrote it through Mark. You would think Mark would mention that. Nobody mentions it. It shows up these two times here. What do we learn about Peter right here? Just looking at this text, what does this tell us about Peter? We don't need to surmise anything, but just, just from what we're getting from this text, what do we learn from about Peter? Maybe how Jesus viewed Peter or whatever. Is there anything? Peter, James, and John—the three who are close to Jesus—true, but it doesn't mention James and John. It mentions Peter. He. This is Paul saying he appeared first to Cephas and then to the twelve. So Peter got a special viewing of Jesus, as it were, and then everyone else did. This is not in the Gospels. We don't. We don't get this otherwise. He's singled out. He's in front. Um, I mean, yeah. This is just. You, this is something unique. This is something we have to do by induction because it, we don't see. We don't see the actual evidence of it. We just hear people speaking about. It. It's true. The Lord appeared to Simon. So evidently, that was the narrative going around because that's the first thing they say. It's true. He's risen and has appeared to Simon. Where was Simon in that whole story? Go back. In Luke 24, I read that whole account. Not once was Simon mentioned. It was Jesus talking about, hey, what was happening in Jerusalem? Don't you know? Where have you been? It, didn't you know? And, and 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 then Jesus, you know, undercover Jesus, they didn't know who he was, kind of says, well, don't you know that according to the scriptures, all this had to happen? And they were like, what? And he goes and talks, 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 and talks. Okay, at no point is Simon mentioned. I look back. And their first line was, "Is true. He's risen. He's appeared to Simon. that to me is a non sequitur unless it was the narrative of the day so much so that when paul in 1st corinthians 15 gives a narration about it he he mentions it he appeared to to simon cephas kepha he appeared to him and then he appeared to everybody else that's who cephas is. cephas is peter's aramaic name kepha it's cephas in the greek so peter has like 14 names it seems like you know he's simon in hebrew um, he is an Aramaic Kephas, and he is Peter. He's called Simon Peter. Jesus gives him a nickname. All right? His closest three all got nicknames James and John were sons of thunder, and Jesus was stone, rock, rocky. You, can call, him, you can call him Peter Rocky, that would fit. It's a little cheesy, but you can call him Rocky. I mean, that's what it is. If you call somebody Rocky, you're calling them an adjective but that happens to be a name. This is a rocky hillside.
1: Well, that's an adjective. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's Jose. Okay, that's nice. John said in his
0: gospel, every detail could not possibly be contained. Okay. You know, maybe, we don't know why Jesus did, but you know what? Jesus, what we learn about Peter here is that Jesus singled him out. That's just taking it at face value. He met with Peter first, and then the other eleven. That's it. And in fact, by the time Paul wrote this in First Corinthians, they had already replaced a, a Judas with Matthias, so there was twelve again. Okay, he didn't appear to Judas. Judas.
1: Judas was crispy critters. He was already dead at that point.
0: Died in shame. But by the time First Corinthians is written. Acts chapter 1 had already happened, and they had already replaced Judas with, with Matthias, and so there were 12 again.
1: Well, okay,
0: so I, Daniel writes, Peter has a special relationship with Jesus because of his openness to hearing from God. I don't know. That might be a reach, um, but I don't know why he's close to Jesus. I don't know. the Scripture ever tell us why, he, why Peter's close to Jesus? Do we ever learn? He doesn't. He, I mean, he doesn't have to hear from God because he had Jesus right there. He could just hear from Jesus. I mean, there's. I mean, it's 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 an interesting point you made. Um, but yeah, he's he was very close to Jesus, always. He if for some reason Jesus chose him in the inner three. He wasn't the disciple that Jesus
1: loved, but he did love Peter. We know that. We can see how it unfolds with Peter. And it's just at, at face value, he singled Peter out to meet with him first. That's all we know. He's special to Jesus
0: amongst the 12. So number five here, Acts 1. 15 minutes, so we're, at, we're out of the Gospels here. So Mick, Texas, sorry. Um, Jesus demonstrates that even though Peter abandoned him, Jesus did not abandon Peter. It's true, I imagine make this that passage is probably going to be one of your mainstays next week. You know, I'm over boneheaded Peter moment. Acts 1 15 to 21. This is our number five of our ten tonight. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So, he stood up. So, this is the book of Acts saying he was the guy, and he said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field where he fell headlong, his body burst open, all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, akeldama, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning with John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So this is going to be apostle moment here. They're going to be replacing Judas with somebody. And there were some categories that had to be fulfilled. I do not believe anybody today who claims to be an apostle. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit Acts 1. When did you journey with Jesus? When were you witness of His resurrection? When did you meet Lord Jesus resurrected? When? How were you a witness of it? It doesn't fit. And church history would add miracles to that as well. It's like this is it. So Jesus or Peter laid out some categories here that had to be fulfilled. None of those can be fulfilled by anybody today. It's impossible. So at least that's my opinion based upon
1: scripture. What do we learn about Peter here? You have an obvious leader. He's a spokesperson, a gifted orator. Yeah. He's, he's got a good sermon coming up. He's a take charge kind of guy. How does he argue? Does he argue emotionally? How does Peter address the people? By the way, this is a good way for you to do too. What does he use as as his authority? Yeah, he relies on the word of God. Yeah, he quotes
0: scripture. Yeah, the the word of God is truth. Yeah, he he was bold to stand in front of the crowd and present the truth of scripture. He knew it. I I mean, think about it. He's pretty pastoral here. This is what you expect of a pastor to be able to sit with you, to open up God's word with you and say, this is what I'm reading here. Let's apply it to your heart. Let's apply it to our situation. Yeah. That's what a pastor should do. A very pastoral moment, a shepherding moment.
1: And yeah, these
0: are the truth, Sandy. You're right. It's not just a source, but yeah, V. I mean, he doesn't say, well, it's logical. We should, you know, 12 is, is, is a more comfortable number than 11, you know, 12 at least has, you know, it's divisible by more than itself or something like that in one. It's not prime. I mean, he probably didn't know any of that, but it's like 12 is one of God's numbers. 11 is really not, you know, it's like, okay, we should have 12 again. You know, it's just, it's just come on. No one likes writing 11, 12 looks better. No, he didn't argue any of those things. He said, okay, this guy that betrayed us has got his punishment. Scripture talked about that. But now let's let someone else take his place. Yeah, he followed what the scripture said. This is huge.
1: He didn't follow his heart. Oh, just follow your heart. No, he didn't.
0: I, I believe that. Uh, the question is, do the 12 apostles represent the 12 tribes? I think in an end times way with the book of Revelation, that number comes up again. And um, even with 144,000 saved, well, that's, you know, that's a very, very round number with God's numbers. That's 12 times 12 times 10 times 10. You know, 10 is one of God's numbers, 12 is one of God's numbers. I mean, that's just a very, is it going to be 144,000? That's an awful convenient round number. Okay, I'm just saying, if it, 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 that, that works. but. Uh, 144, you know, times a thousand, that's just 12 times 12. But yeah, that's Jesus. If you, if you understand him to be not just a son of God, but maybe like a prototype as in, he is also like the perfect Israel, Israel as he should be. And that would be Jesus responding to God as Israel should have responded to God, Jesus being a son of David and a son of Abraham. I mean, if you want to argue that way, which could be a nice argument and a way to look at Jesus, he responded to the Father the way Israel should have responded, you know, instead of you know, the whole Hosea story kind of thing. Then, that regard, Jesus has twelve disciples, apostles, and they would fit with the twelve tribes. Those are really the only two twelves in the Bible that have any any um, any power there. Some of you can look up that part portion of. Of, of revelation see where it says and remind me of that. i don't i don't remember it off the top of my head to quote it but yeah the wilderness wanderings yeah he, he was he succeeded where israel failed yes peter understands jesus is the truth amen good job daniel that's exactly right all right so that's so peter is is a, is a leader and he uses that leadership for good he didn't use that moment to give himself something he did not enrich himself with, um, with, with, with with, God's word. This is not a moment for him to get something out of people. So now a big chunk here. This is his sermon. I'm just going to read his sermon in its entirety and we'll just comment afterwards. So It's a big chunk, but oh well. This is a good Peter moment. Then Peter, this is Acts 2, 14 to 41. Then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not as drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great, the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan of foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep a hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah and that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life. We are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, and I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Just the mic drop after the mic drop here. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and all the other apostles, brother, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. What do we
1: learn about Peter here? He handles scripture superbly, makes the case for Jesus as the ultimate Messiah, does it with clarity, and and it's a great altar call, isn't it? Yeah, what else do we learn? Any of the thoughts about Peter with this majestic long sermon of his? Very bold. Amen.
0: What else? He brought a powerful message of salvation after craters, say telling them of their sins. That, 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 that we can't overlook that. He called them on the carpet, didn't he? whom you crucified. I mean, that was a moment. I mean, yeah, Peter's surrounded by, you know, crowds, but I mean, they killed Stephen for, for just as much. I know that's coming in a few chapters. It hasn't happened yet, but, but Stephen said something just as bold and they killed him on the spot. Maybe Peter, they feared him. I don't know, but that wasn't, I mean, that I'm not trying to second guess scripture here, but it's like the, that was a very bold way Peter talked here. And you know, that's we'll, we'll learn more.
1: We'll learn more than first and second Peter. You're right.
0: Any of the thoughts he allows the Holy spirit to speak through him fluently. Okay. Yeah. This is a definite time in salvation history where the Holy spirit was active in that way. Definitely. Um, so that is and and, and Jesus all right, and Peter gives you know the, the text doesn't say that the Holy that he was full of the spirit and it says that like the, the text, I think literally said that. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, this could be like Joel, the prophet Joel. He's pouring out his spirit. I mean, this is people prophesying. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Peter here?
1: Okay.
0: All right. No problem. I'm just, yeah, the sermon is actually succinct and correct. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. It is. Okay, we'll move on to the next one. This is, you guys, I think you guys know that this was the right sermon at the right time. And as you can see, God used it mightily, mightily. Okay, number seven. Acts 3, 1 to 8. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate that's called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. Expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Whoa. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You got a picture of the muscles that had atrophied for how many years? Lame from birth? He may
1: never have had muscles that developed. What a miracle right there.
0: Instantly, leg muscles, back muscles, tendons, bone structures changed. The man's feet and ankles. Ankles are bones. God affected the bones here too. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Wow. Kind of a cool moment.
1: What do we learn about Peter here?
0: That's a good point. Uh, so he, Daniel, Peter knows the power of God. Okay, he's seen it. Uh, Peter was led by the Spirit, makes sense. To know God would know this meant the Spirit had to have told Peter do this. Yeah. Again, we're not. I don't think we're told that. But that makes sense. That Peter just doesn't indiscriminately do things. Although, ironically, that used to be the way he did everything, right? Peter, I mean, he didn't do it in his own name. You know, there's like a meme that's always been out there. Why don't we see faith healers always in hospitals? You know, we also don't see psychics winning the lottery kind of thing. Like you'd expect to see that but especially in this the, the, in the way hospital beds are full of patients right now you would expect the faith healers to never leave the hospital they should always be there healing people non-stop
1: yeah, those charlatans i don't see peter being a charlatan here he didn't say in the name of peter rise up and walk and that's something what did Jesus tell him? Huh, Kepha, on
0: this rock, I'm going to build my church. If anybody would have had a moment to be able to say their own name, wouldn't it have been Peter? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying he would. In the
1: name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Yeah, he even told the apostles they're going to do miracles. You're right. He did. I mean, Peter, I mean, Peter seems here very, very bold. What else does he seem like? This is his boldness again. He's taking charge again. Yeah, he, he, he is humble.
0: There is humility here. I mean, there is humility in the name of Jesus, rising up and walk. I mean, that's something.
1: Imagine if all ministry was like that, where you get no credit for anything. All you do is earn treasure in heaven. Let's say that. And that's it. I don't know. He speaks in Christ's authority, not his own.
0: Now, you have to admit, he is an apostle. Apostle means a sent one, commissioned by, directly by Jesus. And that's how Paul, Paul gets in. It's not even a technicality. He gets in because it was Jesus who commissioned him, specifically. The resurrected Jesus, no doubt. And Paul did witness a miracle. He was supernaturally blinded. That doesn't happen all the time. And he later would find out people heard a voice but couldn't see who it was. That was a miracle. So Paul, Paul had witnessed the resurrection of Christ i mean, directly commissioned. It, it's an odd. It's like in Star Wars. Like it's an older code, sir. But I was about ready to clear him. I mean, it, it's like it, it's it's almost a technicality. But he qualifies. Peter was an ascent, ascent one of Jesus. If anyone's going to speak for Jesus, I would say Peter qualifies. But even here,
1: it goes right back to Jesus. Yeah, you see him surrendering to God. It's it's about Christ's authority, not his. That's huge. The ancient world, you'd be a disciple of a
0: rabbi, and one day you'd make disciples yourself, disciples of you, and then they would graduate and make make disciples of themselves. And you'd pass on these teachings to take this yoke upon you, and you say, okay, take this yoke upon you, take this teaching upon you, and then you go
1: make disciples now. But we don't do that, do we? We make disciples of Jesus. Even though we are disciples of Jesus, it's very unique. That's what we do. And Peter typifies that here. Number eight, Acts 5, 1 to 10. Yeah, there is power in the mighty name of Jesus. You're right,
0: Daniel. That's exactly. And and, and that's something that we end our prayers in Jesus' name. It's not like it's a postscript. You know, it's not like a comma at the end of a prayer no we're, we're basing this prayer on the authority of christ but also for the glory of christ in the name of christ we don't pray it in our name because who, who are we on our own our, our our all of our efforts are like filthy rags but it's in Jesus' name on his authority that's why we don't pray in jesus name for you know superfluous matters oh i pray in jesus name for a Ferrari. Seriously. I don't see how that, or I pray for a second Learjet, or I pray for, it's like, stop using Jesus' name that
1: way. That's not a prayer, that's a wish list. Yeah, I mean, this is, sorry, I'm
0: just being a blowhard in that moment. But these are some of my colleagues who want to do that. want to pray these things in Jesus' name. Pray Jesus' name over every situation. No, how about you submit to Jesus in every situation? Start there. Start with change in your own heart before you want to toss Jesus' name everywhere. Start with actually him being your Lord and you following him. That's the start. It's like repent and then be baptized. Focus on the repentance first. Turn from you and turn to Jesus. We're going to see that next week with Peter and some of the more difficult moments, him turning to Jesus, being
1: restored by Jesus. Acts 5, another
0: great Peter moment a rotten overall moment, but a good Peter moment. Now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest
1: and put it at the apostle's feet. We don't know more than that. We don't know what was going on there. We're just left to kind of, you know, deduce it
0: from the text. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan, ooh, he brings it to the spiritual, has filled your heart? Ooh, that's a miracle that only Jesus had, remember? He could see it in people's hearts. He knew what they were thinking, what they were feeling. Now, maybe he figured it out. Maybe there was some kind of pomp and circumstance here. You know, Maybe there's this huge thing where I just sold this property, and I got 500,000 denarii, and here it is. And really, he got 700,000, but he kept a bit of it to himself. I don't know, but Peter knew there's something going on here that Peter figured it out or was informed. How is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you've received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. By the way, Holy Spirit is God. He's not lesser. He's God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. There was no rebuttal. There was no yeah, but nothing. Dead. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened,
1: which is a miracle in and of itself. I'll just let that rest right there. (laughs) Peter asked her, See, so he gives her a chance. He gives her a chance to come clean. Tell me,
0: is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? We're left to understand, has she said, actually, no. Um, and there's more back here I could bring, but, but I didn't. And he didn't either. You know, we, we kind of decided she didn't fess up. He gave her a chance to, didn't he? That's why this text is so nice. Is this a price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, that's the price. Peter said to her. How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. Ooh. at that moment, she fell down on his feet and died. The young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Imagine being on duty that day, being one of those young men. like another one, wow. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Yeah, I bet. No one's gonna lie anymore. Probably the scuttlebutt. What happened with those people? And yeah, did they make that big sale? Yeah, I mean, did they just do that? Well, they were marching around outside. But why are they dead? Well, here's what we hear. This is what we found out about that. And, and oh my goodness, this is all very real. This is a life and death matter. This is life and death matter, like grabbing a hold of the Ark of the Covenant when you shouldn't, or running into the temple, the tabernacle, when you shouldn't. You can't touch certain things or you're dead. This is a life and death matter.
1: What do we, what do we learn about Peter here?
0: Yeah, Randy said, he, Peter somehow Peter knew whatever they gave wasn't the full price, although they claimed otherwise. He knew they were lying. And that's the thing, as he said, wasn't this yours already from the beginning? It's as if they made an appearance, and then lied about it. Like they could have just said, "Yeah, we're gonna, you know we sold it for this, but we're going to give seventy percent. We'll keep some for ourselves." I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. But if you're going to put up a big sign saying we're going to give all the proceeds to this, and you keep some of the proceeds for yourself, you're a liar, and no one's going to trust you again. Yeah, yeah. The Holy Spirit gave Peter insight exactly. Um, his ears were open to the voice of the Lord. I mean, you can't argue that
1: he knew things he shouldn't have known, according to the text. Because he took it to the spiritual dimension immediately. How is it that Satan has filled your heart? Ooh, that's like Judas talk. Satan filled Judas's heart, right? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, Peter
0: had to be so submissive to God to be able to hear from god on certain matters again we have no written bible this time there's no holy spirit going through texts as speaking through the written word there's not written word i mean not in terms of a new testament not yet some of the stuff is beginning to make its rounds but not in a full and final way like we have so it's not like okay let's turn to this passage to see how god directs us no that's why this is unique this is i argue this is a
1: very unique time in salvation history. Yeah,
0: especially with the apostles, the spirit is authenticating, establishing the continuance of Jesus' ministry. Exactly. Peter's unique here, isn't he? He's standing out. He's bold.
1: He's Yeah. Peter didn't kill anybody, did he? He didn't say, now die, you rebel scum. No. He called them on it, and they fell dead.
0: This is like similar thing with uh, David and Abigail and what was her husband's name, Um, Nabal. And she told him, don't kill him. He's a jerk, but don't kill him. So David didn't
1: do it. And the guy died anyway. Similar thing here. Peter didn't have to lay his hands on anybody, which from what we know about Peter was a problem. You know, slicing off the ear, okay, temple servant. Oh, yeah.
0: God knows us. We, we, God knows that if we're lying or not. Yeah, Bonnie, that's a great point. How could you lie to the Holy Spirit? That
1: tells me that his lie was on the inside, too. That he was coming before God and saying, God, I want to give this to you. But being otherwise. Ooh, yeah.
0: And for somehow, some way, God made Peter aware to be able to confront them on this. The end product, Great Fear Season, the whole church, all those who heard about these events. Yeah. Number nine here, Acts eight, and this is these are not the same story, but it's they're they're both Peter traveling, so we'll say those together. Eight fourteen to twenty five, nine thirty two to forty three. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, okay? This is why I argue Acts is descriptive, not prescriptive. There's never been a time in history that's been just like this, okay? The Holy Spirit had not yet come. That was something that was going to happen and unfold, but not yet, So things were a little bit different there. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me this ability. He wanted to add this to his Magi expansion pack. Give me this ability so that whoever I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit too. Kind of a cool moment. This guy was a magus. He was, a, he was one of the magi, like a magician of sorts. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you of having such a thought in your heart. Yes, your heart matters before God. Dang. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Woo. Then Simon answered, praise of the Lord for me so that nothing you said may have happened to me. Okay. That's not a bad response. I'm just going to call it as we see it. He could have said, well, you know, go pound sand, brother. You know, I got my own game to run here. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and t- testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Yeah. Yeah, good, good response from, from, from Simon to Simon there, from Peter to, to Simon. Yeah, heart issues are huge. Um, yeah, let's just continue. This is in chapter 9 now. Peter traveled around the country. He went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lida. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat immediately Aeneas got up and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord bang in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha in Greek her name is Dorcas this made 10 year old Joel laugh all the time by the way but there it is her name is Dorcas she doesn't find it funny but just call it Tabitha Uh, She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them. When he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. An upstairs room, I probably started to smell. I'm just saying. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented them to her alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Peter finds other guys named Simon, doesn't he? All right. Wow. What do we learn about Peter here in these two passages with Simon Magus and with Tabitha Dorcas? What did we learn? Okay, he's a man of righteous indignation.
1: Jesus Christ heals you. That's right. Not me, Peter. And there's a purpose to that of coming for others coming to the faith. Yeah. One of the things we see if someone else,
0: like a modern faith healer, would say, "Jesus Christ heals you." Um, it looks like here miracles are verifiable. They're known. This wasn't like something hidden. It was known. You can imagine, I mean, he makes mention of the widows, maybe the the ladies who had just got done washing her. You know, this is women with women. So it's like, it's not, you know, impropriety. And so they've got them presenting her body for burial. And he called those same women back in. And maybe the women needed to check her out to make sure she wasn't a ghost or whatever. I don't know. I'm just saying. Miracles are verifiable and they're, they're instantaneous. They're verifiable. They're there. I mean, except the rare miracle of, you know, where Jesus heals the blind man. He's not quite healed all the way yet, but he does it in stages. Okay. Or, you know, a name in the Syrian, you know, being bathed through the seven times in the Jordan. Okay, fine. But usually miracles are, are, are verifiable and they're, they're obvious. They're not something you can question. And uh, we don't see that today. By people who Jesus Christ heals you. Well, then let's see it. This is instantaneous. Yeah, he believed there's power in Jesus and he used that power to do good. Yeah, always goes back to Jesus. Yeah. I love that, Mick. Peter is not the hero of the story. You think he is. You could read this and go, you know what? Peter's pretty heck of a guy here. But Peter doesn't present himself as the hero. I mean, people are dragging him around. You got to come. You got to come. See this. See this. He's not the hero. He never presents himself that way. It always goes back to Jesus. Yeah, Peter does recognize the power of God, uh, but he did its not so much that he recognizes it; he just proclaims it. It's like God led him here for that moment, and he acted, and it was an instantaneous miracle. Obvious, verifiable, boom. There was no "yeah, but" or anything like that. It was just—is what it was. And yeah, and then Peter just kind of wastes away too. Acts is, is later mixed right. it doesn't even focus on Peter. Paul becomes the hero of the story, as it were, or the focus of the message. Um, but let's go to number 10 here. Let's finish out. Acts 10, 3 to 48. Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send the Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon, the tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everyone, everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, you know, what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are all witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Again, verifiable miracle here. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was so speaking these words, The Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. What do we learn about Peter here?
1: Yeah, he is given part of the Apostles' Creed. You're right. Any thoughts on Peter in
0: this final passage with Cornelius? Something changed within Peter, changed in him for the good. It's as if he started looking at life and ministry through heaven's eyes, through heaven's perspective, or God's perspective. It's not like, okay, I've got my preconceptions about how things should go. And then Jesus kind of rocked that world. And then he acts otherwise. It's like I'm seeing Peter being malleable in a good way. Flexible. Not holding too
1: tightly on the things he maybe shouldn't hold too tightly on. What are some concluding thoughts about Peter from these 10 passages? Any thoughts?
0: Yeah, Peter. Peter was about sharing the gospel. Peter did ministry no matter what. Would you say Peter lived Jesus' words that he fished for men? Was he a fisher of men? Did he seize opportunities to reach out to people for the gospel? Did he want to see God change people? I mean, we at the bridge say we want to see people connect with God. Would you say that's Peter? Did he want to connect people with God and God's will for them? Did he challenge them? Did he encourage them? Peter's a good example for us. Yes, fulfilling the Great Commission. Now we're going to see next week Peter had some moments where we're going to you know, be shaking our head a bit. But I want us to know Peter had some good moments too. And Peter is an example for us. Peter shows us how to follow Jesus. Even though Peter didn't have a perfect life, as we're going to find out more next week, Peter had some good moments to of faithfulness. And God used those faithful moments for his glory. Life isn't all about just making mistakes. Good things can happen too when we submit to God. And Peter's story is an example for each of us to submit yourself to God And he will use you for his glory and in his timing and plan. This has been Joel from Masterclass Theology. The good Peter stories. We'll see you next week. Thanks for letting me share. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.